Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Monday, August 27th, and I am... uh, it's still, you know, it's it's cloudy and raining outside. It is still so hot in this room. It just like I, eventually I'll go back to my long sleeve shirts. I miss them, but for now, it's the polos. I guess this is my new favorite shirt. Apparently, I, I don't know. Um, we also one more thing before we really start the show. We've been mispronouncing Tyrod Taylor, the Browns quarterback's name, for years. Apparently, we I've been saying Tyrod Taylor, and apparently that's totally wrong. His name is Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor, not Tyrod Taylor. Um, so that's that. I wanted to kind of. From here on out, I will say Tarod Taylor. I will no longer say the other pronunciation. That was totally wrong. Don't say that anymore. I'm so excited. We have a, a bunch of big news. I have a lot of good stuff today. It's uh, the, the main story I'm going to talk about. I'm going to dive really deep into the Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald situation. But first, I want to talk about the biggest news of the day. Odell Beckham Jr., the Giants wide receiver, signed a five-year deal uh, a five-year extension worth $95 million with $65 million guaranteed. It's the most ever for a wide receiver in NFL history. He's the highest paid receiver on a yearly uh, annual basis in the NFL. He's paid more than Antonio Brown and Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins. Here's my take. I like this. I, I really, I applaud the Giants. I like this move. This is a great decision. Here's why, here's why I like this decision. Everyone's going to talk about how talented Odell Beckham Jr. is. I like this because I believe the NFL is changing. We got two big rule changes this offseason. We got the NFL catch rule was made uh, to, to promote catches, and we got a new helmet rule. Both of these rules benefit wide receivers, and they hurt defenses. Odell Beckham Jr.'s value just went up, like a lot. And we're going to see more catches, more yards. And even if we don't see more yards, we'll see more penalty yards and missed tackles because of the new hit rule. I like this. Now, I'm weird. I know I'm a weird guy. (laughs) I mean, clearly I'm talking in a room by myself. But I have always preferred Julio Jones to Odell Beckham Jr. And I know that's controversial. All my friends make fun of me. I have friends who play Division I football. They're like, you're an idiot, Zach. But for me, Julio Jones is quiet. There's no distractions. But again, I'm weird. I'm the only person. All my friends laugh at me. I just don't like antics. And also, I want to point out the, the one concern I have with, uh, with Odell Beckham Jr., besides the antics and besides the offseason crap, is that Odell Beckham Jr. has been hurt a couple of times. He's only played in all 16 games once. One season in 2016, Odell Beckham Jr. played all 16 games of the NFL season. But I, I will admit, even with his injuries, Odell Beckham Jr.'s production has been un. Believable. He averages 1,300 yards and 96 catches when he's healthy. I did the math. It's like, wow, it's unbelievable. Not to mention, Odell Beckham Jr. is only 25 years old. He's in his prime. These are the best years of his career right now. Now, again, I have friends that play at a couple Division I schools. They all make fun of They love Odell Beckham Jr. And they think Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham Jr., one of those two, is the best wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, And what's interesting, again, players who, people who know far more than I do about wide receivers, highly praise Odell Beckham Jr. They love him. They respect him. And they say he's worth the money. I'll trust them on this. I I believe them. They say he's all worth the money. Fine. I want to say one last thing. So I I like the move. It's a good move. Odell Beckham, because of the rules, 
Odell Beckham Jr. is worth more. He's probably the best wide receiver in the entire NFL, and he's only 25. He's got plenty of years to grow and get better. In fact, you could even argue if the Giants had waited two more years, the price probably would have gone up. So uh, I respect the Giants for this. I, I want to really defend, not defend, I want to support Odell Beckham Jr. I love the way he's approached this contract negotiation. I, I love it. The way he went about getting his new contract is the new template. I, I love what he did. Because he did not hold out. Odell Beckham Jr. did not hold out of NFL training camp. He showed up. Odell Beckham Jr. went to practice. He had a great attitude. All he said was, I'm not going to play in games until I'm given a new contract. I'll show up. I'll have a good attitude. I'll work hard. But I'm not going to play in games. That's great. It's awesome. He was a presence in the Giants facility. He had a good attitude. He was. What this shows is just a lot of confidence in his ability. It's like when you show off a new car and you're like, you want to buy this car? It's pretty awesome. Odell Beckham Jr. showed you, look, this is what I'm worth. I'm worth more. I'm, I'm going to show every day in practice. I'll show you exactly what I should be paid. He did. It paid off. The Giants made a fantastic move in signing Odell Beckham Jr. He's the best or the second best wide receiver in the entire NFL. And again, the new rules make him even more valuable. I applaud the Giants. It was a great, fantastic move. All right. We have a lot to talk about today. I'm going to dive really deep into the Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald holdout situation. I'm going to compare the two. I'm going to talk about both of them side by side. Um, I'm also going to talk about USC's announcement that they are starting a true freshman at quarterback this year. Interesting move. I've got a lot of stuff to say about that. I'm going to tell you why Josh Allen should not start for the Buffalo Bills. He should not play. He should not start this year. An interesting story. An NFL team hired, apparently, a private investigator to look into Odell Beckham Jr. That's weird. I've got some stuff on that. We're going to talk about Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles is still not improving. That's later in the show. We're going to talk about Blake Bortles is still not getting better. Towards the end of the show, I'm going to offer analysis of the 49ers and Colts preseason game. Got some interesting stuff to say there. And at the very end of the show, the last thing I will talk about is I'm going to rank every starting quarterback in the NFL. I'm going to rank every quarterback that is starting games this year in the NFL. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best, most interesting clips. Tell your friends about this podcast. If you like Strong Opinion Sports as much as I do, help me grow the show by telling your friends about it. It would mean a lot to me. It, it, it's This is my passion. This is my baby. This is I, just what I do every day. It's my everything. I put everything into this. And so if you want to help me grow a strong opinion sports, please do by telling your friends, share it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is. And also give me a follow. Follow me on Instagram. My Instagram stories are, <laughs> I don't know what, what I'm doing. I, I don't know if I think I'm a comedian or what, but I think they're great. I, I hope you give them a watch. They're, they're fantastic. Um, in, in my opinion, of course, that's my opinion. I want to now dive into the Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald contract situation. I want to do this both together. I want to talk about Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald. I'm going to talk about them together. I'm going to combine their topics into one because it appears that both Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack are waiting for each other before they sign a contract. It's somewhat of a stalemate. Whoever signs first, the other guy wants to one-up him. And another thing is whoever signs first really sets the market for the other guy. If Aaron Donald signs first... Khalil Mack is going to use that as leverage for his contract. So the two are just kind of in a waiting game, waiting for each other. Now, um, I want to get some facts out first. Some stuff I had to really research, really do some hard work to find out. I'm going to share with you guys so you guys have all the information. 
Um, both Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack have been in the NFL for four seasons. However, even though they've been in the NFL the same amount of time, they have different free agent situations when their contracts are over. So I, I want to explain what a restricted free agent is. And, and I guess really the, the best way to do that is to tell you that you need to have four seasons accrued. That's a keyword, four seasons accrued. And once you have four seasons accrued under your NFL career, then you can become an unrestricted free agent when your contract ends. So unrestricted free agents that you, uh, UFA, unrestricted free agents are free to sign with where, whatever team they want when they're a free agent. They can take any offers. They can go wherever they want. Now, a restricted free agent is limited. I know, pretty creative naming. Um, you can take offers from any team you want once you're a free agent. However, if your former team still wants you, they can counter the offer. They can match an offer and keep you on their team. Or, see, let's say if Aaron Donald was, trying, was going to try to leave the LA Rams, the Rams could either match his contract offer or say, you can go, but we're going to get a, a, comp a compensatory pick, draft pick. So in your place, we'll get a draft pick to make up for the fact that we lost you because we had your rights and now you're gone. So Khalil Mack is going to be an unrestricted free agent. He has four years accrued. When his contract is up, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. He'll be free to go wherever he wants. However, Aaron Donald, even though he's been in the NFL for four years, he's entering his fifth season right now. He is scheduled to be a restricted free agent. The reason is because to get a year to count uh, to accrue in your favor towards becoming an unrestricted free agent, you need to report to training camp 30 days before the first regular season game begins. Now, last year in Aaron Donald's fourth year, he held out until well into the regular season. So that year did not count towards becoming an unrestricted free agent. And again, this year, Aaron Donald has held out. August 7th was the cutoff date. He, it's well past August 7th. He will not be a unrestricted free agent. He will, in fact, be a restricted free agent when his deal is up, which means the Rams are going to have the rights to Aaron Donald for much longer than we originally thought. No, Khalil Mack, unrestricted free agent. I've gotten some comments about that. No, he's, he's in fact going to be an unrestricted free agent. Aaron Donald is a, going to be a restricted free agent. Now, those are the facts. I had to look really hard to find those. I had to figure out what, what do these definitions mean, yada, yada. Those are all the facts. Now I want to insert my opinion into all of this. Because I, I, I believe Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald are far, simply asking for too much. They're asking for too much money. They're asking for more money than they are worth. See, Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack want to be the highest paid non-quarterbacks in the entire NFL. It's reported they both want to be paid upwards of $20 million a year. And that's, that's simply too much. I'm not going to give them that much. That's too much for me. And now, frankly, I believe that Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald may be the best at their positions. Totally. I agree. And if they're not the best, they're really, really close. But Aaron Donald are not. Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack, neither of them are as valuable as a quarterback or even a wide receiver like Odell Beckham Jr. Remember, the NFL rules have shifted. The helmet rule and the new catch rule both benefit offense, and they hurt defenses. But I really want to focus on J.J. Watt. I want to use J.J. Watt as a case study to explain why I think that Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald are both somewhat overvaluing themselves. See, J.J. Watt was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 2013, 2015, and 2016. So we can all argue, okay, J.J. Watt's best years were 2013 through 2016. 
Well, in 2013, when J.J. Watt was NFL Player of the Year, his team, the Houston Texans, went 2-14. and 14. His head coach got fired. So yeah, defensive player of the year didn't really benefit that his team very much. Didn't matter. Or how about in uh, 2014, 15, and 16? Every single one of those years, his team went 9-7. and seven. Yeah, J.J. Watt doesn't have a big impact on winning games. He doesn't, no matter how great he is. That, what that tells me is no matter how good you are on defense, especially for a defensive tackle, you're not going to impact how much your team wins games. Not as much as a quarterback or a wide receiver. Remember, again, 2013, NFL pl- Defensive Player of the Year. His coach, Gary Kubiak, was fired. And again, in 2015, his team was 30th in total defense. You had the NFL Defensive Player of the Year, and in 2016, your team was still last in NFL total defense. Clearly, defensive players don't have as much to do with how well your team does on defense or really how well your team does in the win-loss column because they don't. it's not a quarterback. It's not a wide receiver. You need to have a group of 11 guys. One player isn't enough. So I don't think I would pay. My point is this. Uh, the NFL salary cap is $177.2 million. So $20 million is over 11% of the NFL salary cap. I'm not going to give that to a defensive tackle. I'm not going to give that to a defensive end. It's simply too much. I would not pay as much to a quarterback, to a non-quarterback as I would to either a quarterback or even now wide receiver with the new rules. Especially, again, with the new rules, receivers, quarterbacks, more valuable than ever. Defenders, eh, they're going down. It's the uncomfortable truth. Defensive players are losing their Value. You might not like that, but that's that's what I see it as. Now, Khalil Mack is scheduled to make $13.8 million. I, I think he's being underpaid. He should be paid more. I, I can acknowledge that. You should put him next to Von Miller. <clears throat> but I'm not going to pay Khalil Mack $25 million. I'm not going to pay Aaron Donald $23 million. Aaron Donald certainly deserves a raise. Aaron Donald is only making $6.8 million. The guy deserves a raise. We can all agree. You agree. I agree. We all think Aaron Donald is being vastly underpaid. He's the best defensive tackle in football. He's being paid well below market value. But we also really can't blame the Rams. The Rams have a steal. Aaron Donald is the biggest bargain in the NFL right now. They're going to take it as long as they can. So I, I would not pay Aaron Donald or Khalil Mack upwards of $20 million. I'm not going to do that. But I would give them raises. They do deserve more money. And I would give them long-term contracts with guaranteed money to make them even more happy. You're going to be guaranteed this amount of money. Done. Now, one thing people keep telling me, this is where it gets kind of funny. People keep saying to me, Khalil Mack loves Oakland. He loves the Raiders. Does he? I don't know. First of all, he loved Oakland before the Raiders decided to move to Vegas and before they added a new head coach, John Gruden. But it doesn't fully add up when people say, you know, Khalil Mack just loves the Raiders so much. Mm, Nah, it's kind of like when a girl says, Zach, I love you. You're the best guy I've ever met, but we just can't be together. You like me so much. Why can't we be together? That doesn't add up. It doesn't make any sense. If Khalil Mack really was desperate to be with the Raiders, he would have signed for a more team-friendly contract. Actually, very similar to what Julio Jones did. Earlier this year, Julio Jones signed a more team-friendly contract 
with the Atlanta Falcons. He asked for a raise. He got one. He didn't ask to be the highest paid receiver in the NFL because he wanted to be in Atlanta, but he wanted more money. Khalil Mack has options. He doesn't have to be the highest paid defensive player in the NFL, but clearly Khalil Mack prioritizes money over staying with the Raiders. So stop telling me Khalil Mack loves the Raiders. I do want to point out it's pretty funny. The Raiders were able to shell out like $100 million for John Gruden, but they're not able to pay Khalil Mack. It's, it's a weird, I, I, no matter who you are, it's like, really? You're going to pay the coach? I don't know how you compare that. I don't really know how to read into that even because you can't really compare Khalil Mack, a defensive end, and John Gruden, a head coach. But man, it, it sure is a weird and interesting little wrinkle to all that, that they paid Derek Carr a couple years ago. They just paid John Gruden. They're not going to pay Khalil Mack. It's weird. But my final point is this. Both Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack both chose not to come to NFL training camp. They decided to hold out. And I want to compare that to the way Odell Beckham Jr. handled his new contract. Odell Beckham Jr. handled his new contract situation by showing up to training camp. He showed up. He had a good attitude. All Odell Beckham Jr. said was, I'm not going to play in a game until I'm paid more money. But he paid it forward. He showed up, had a good attitude, worked out for them every single day. He showed his team what they were missing. And I wonder if Aaron Donald or Khalil Mack could have benefited from doing this. Especially for Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack could have showed up with the Raiders and said, Hi, John Gruden, my name is Khalil Mack. I'm not playing for you until you pay me. But I'll show you what you're missing. I'm going to work out every day. I'm going to have a great attitude. I'm going to be a leader in the locker room. I'm not playing on Sundays until you pay me. But I'm going to pay it forward. Look. Look at how good of an attitude I'm going to have. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird to me. Now, again, I want to repeat. My final thing I want to say is I would not pay Khalil Mack or Aaron Donald upwards of $20 million. I'm not paying them $21, $23, $25, $27 million. $27 million is off the table, but I'm not going to do that. I would match them with Von Miller. That's fine. I get that. But I'm not going to pay them upwards of $20 million. I definitely would give Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack a raise. Aaron Donald is being vastly underpaid. $6.8 million is a joke for the best defensive tackle in football. And I'd give them long-term contracts with guaranteed money, but I'm not going to pay either of them more than $20 million. It's just not going to happen. I'm not going to do that. They're They're not that valuable. And I think they, in their minds, think they're more valuable than they actually are. So that's my take on the whole Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack situation. Um, I'm just, I'm just not going to pay them what they think they're worth. I just don't think they're worth that much. They're not worth 11% of my salary cap. Just the truth. All right. This is a fun one. So USC has announced that their new, their next starting quarterback is true freshman JT Daniels. JT Daniels is 18 years old. And I, I watched the reaction online. The reaction was hilarious to me. I was like... (laughs) So I go to a Pac-12 school for background, and people at my Pac-12 school were sharing a lot of stuff going, USC is going to start a true freshman, what, he's 18 years old? It's, he's a freshie. He's not going to do anything. Ha, a baby freshman. That was the attitude at my school. And I'm like, you guys are idiots. Have you ever watched JT Daniels play football? JT Daniels is incredible. JT Daniels is freshman, true freshman phenom at USC is unbelievable. He's great. And then not to mention, not only have you ever watched JT Daniels play football, but did you watch college football at all last year? Hmm, Because the way I remember it and the way that it actually happened was Jake Frum, a true freshman, led Georgia to the national championship game. A true freshman, 18, 19 years old. 
Oh, and then by the way, who beat Georgia in the national championship? Oh yeah, Tua Tungavaloa, who is a true freshman to Alabama. Hello. The college football is changing. I can't believe anybody would say, "Oh no, USC starting a true freshman so bad." No, college football is just changing. You remember when Baker Mayfield a couple years ago balled out for Texas Tech and was incredibly successful as a true freshman? That's because college football is changing. We have a bunch of camps, off-season programs, Elite 11, Trent Dilfer. Guys are helping quarterbacks. They're better than ever. That's why all the rookie quarterbacks in the NFL right now look really good because they've been training for this since they were 15. I was one of these guys. I did these camps. I trained with Trent Dilfer. It's unbelievable the stuff they're doing. I don't know, man. College football is changing. What this reminds me of is I remember when Instagram came out and everyone was like, a social media app with just pictures, that won't work. That's weird. You can't even post text. Now it's my favorite thing in the world. I love Instagram. Or, or even funnier was when Instagram stories came out and I was like, oh, you know, 24 hours, it's only around for 24 hours and it disappears. That's weird. I'm never going to use that. I'm the biggest advocate of Instagram stories probably in the world. I love them. My stories are like eight minutes long some days. I, I use it way too much. My point is this. Things change over time. Even when things seem ridiculous at first, they're changing. That's just how the world works. We're going to see a lot more true freshman quarterbacks starting in college football in the years to come. It's just that's the reality of college football now. College football is shifting and changing. Now, I want to point out, I really support USC's decision, not only because JT Daniels is fantastic, but who JT Daniels was competing against. JT Daniels beat out a redshirt sophomore, Matt Fink. He also beat out a redshirt freshman, Jack Sears. I was around Jack a couple times growing up. Um, this is really good. JT Daniels is incredibly talented. He's the most talented quarterback of that group. And the tie, if they're tied or even close, it should go to the underclassmen. Because, again, you should get the most out of this kid that you can. You only have four years of eligibility in college football. Matt Fink is extremely limited. And so we might see JT Daniels struggle early. I don't know if we will or not. But I know that he's incredibly talented. He throws the football like at an NFL level already. Kind of like Josh Rosen did out of college, actually, out of high school. Josh Rosen, he was my class, threw the ball all over the field. It was unbelievable. So I'm not sure that... JT Daniels might not struggle immediately. He might struggle initially, right? That's very possible. But give it time. JT Daniels is going to be a star, a phenom at USC. JT Daniels is the next big thing in college football. Be patient. Stay and watch. But I'm so, so glad and I'm so supportive of USC starting him now. It's good. Just get him out there. Don't waste time with Matt Fink. Matt Fink is... Tr <laughs> I don't want to... He's not the guy. You're, you're wasting time if you don't play JT Daniels because JT Daniels, sooner or later, eventually is going to be the guy. And in college foot, it's not the NFL where you have 15-year careers. Get the most out of JT Daniels that you can now. Develop him as much as you can. That's what USC is doing. And so I want to praise USC. They're doing the right thing. They're making the right move by starting true freshman, 18-year-old quarterback, JT Daniels. It's a, oh, it's fantastic. I love it. I really do. I'm so excited for USC. I'm so excited to watch USC. I think, oh, I don't know. Uh, UW is a, I'm going to do a, a prediction show for the Pac-12, actually, um, on Wednesday. I can't talk too much about my school. I get in trouble when that happens. But, um, man, oh, I'm so excited. Um, so Josh Allen. Let's shift gears to Josh Allen. I would not start Josh Allen right now. I wouldn't. 
And I think if the Bills do start Josh Allen week one, it's a massive, massive mistake. I'm going to make my case. I'm concerned. I'm, I'm incredibly concerned about not just Josh Allen, but the Bills. It's not my concerns are less to do with Josh Allen and more to do with the Buffalo Bills in general. So the only rookie quarterback I think I would start week one, not even, I wouldn't even start Sam Darnold week one, although I'd be comfortable doing it. That's the only guy I'd even consider starting week one. But I'm concerned about Josh Allen. I watched the Bengals and Bills preseason game. And the Bills were awful. The Bills were atrocious. They were terrible. They were so, so bad. And it wasn't even Josh Allen's fault. The Bills offensive line was horrendous. It was awful. And uh, I, I, so I, I tracked all 17 plays that Josh Allen was either sacked or throwing the football. And um, I, I just w- I want to run through them because it's very concerning. So on the first play from scrimmage that Josh Allen threw, there was a dropped pass right off the bat. That sucked. And then the second play for Josh Allen was a, a bootleg pass where a guy had, was in his face immediately, had to throw the ball to the hot route. So already offensive line screwed up, had a guy in his face, and had a, a, a pass dropped. But next on the third play that I I wrote down was Josh Allen was sacked and he had no chance. And then again on play four, he was sacked with no chance, no no even chance to run anywhere. Then on play five, Josh Allen scrambles to the right. He he always did in college, actually. He would get away to the right. He throws the ball deep. He underthrows it. It's almost picked off and the guy dropped the interception. So we're, we're five plays in and it's looking horrible for Josh Allen. Now, the sixth play was great. He had really good pocket movement and then he, he did, however, miss the pass. He, he moved around in the pocket. It was beautiful. And then he was inaccurate with the football. Now, and that's just Josh Allen. He's going to struggle with accuracy early on. On the seventh play, they finally had a good play. It was a solid completion. Everything went right. But seven plays in, only one of seven was a good play where everything went right on the offense. That's not good. On play eight, there was a screen pass. The offensive line screwed up. On play nine, Josh Allen's running for his life, and he dove ahead for a first down. On play 10, Josh Allen was forced to scramble again. He rolls out to his right, throws the ball away. Incomplete pass. Now, 11, play 11 was good, so we're 11. So there's two out of 11 so far that have been good plays. It was a good pass. Josh Allen made a completion into a tight window. On play 12, Josh Allen was sacked. He had no chance. Play 13, it was first and 22. He was sacked, had no chance. Play 14, third and 29, Josh Allen was sacked. He had no chance to get away. Guys are coming free. He snaps the ball, has a guy in his face immediately because someone whiffs on the offensive line. That's not acceptable. Play 15. He throws a nice back shoulder throw to Kelvin Benjamin. Kelvin Benjamin drops it. Now, play 16 at a solid play. A nice throw, nice catch, good play. Well done. And then on play 17, Josh Allen's last play from scrimmage. He ran for his life, threw the ball away, and got slammed into the turf really hard. And so I watched the Bills and the Bengals, and Josh Allen had no chance to be successful. The players around him are terrible. The players around him were terrible. It's not good. It's ugly. I, would, I, I really hope the Buffalo Bills start Nathan Peterman or A.J. McCarron. Or if they're hurt, get another guy. But no matter what you do, do not put Josh Allen in that situation. Let another guy take the hits. Let another guy throw those interceptions. Because there's no chance Josh Allen will be successful this year. Do not throw rookie quarterback Josh Allen, your prized possession. Don't throw him to the Wolves. It's just, it's just uncaring. It's not good. It's not good for him. It's not good for anybody. It's how you ruin your quarterback. Because games like that where you have a guy immediately in your face, you snap the ball. The minute you snap, I, I did this in high school. I, I had a season we won one game my freshman year. You snap the ball, you have a guy in your face immediately. 
That's how you learn bad habits. You start trying to do too much or you throw the ball up for grabs. What's even more concerning is after the game, Josh Allen said this. Josh Allen took the blame for the sacks. He said, yeah, I got to do better. I got to do this and that. No. Look, I don't know what Josh Allen is supposed to say in that situation because I know he's a rookie quarterback. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He can't demand more. Um, But man, uh, Josh Allen pretty much had no chance at all. (laughs) He had guys in his face. You can watch. If you're a Bills fan, go watch. It's like, man, Josh Allen has no hope there. And sure, sometimes you can admit, okay, Josh Allen ran around too long. He should have thrown the ball away. And that's an adjustment because in high school, in college at Wyoming, he could basically escape to the right every single time and throw the ball downfield. You can't do that in the NFL. Guys are bigger, stronger, and faster. But the key here is that <laughs> the guys around Josh Allen are awful. It makes me respect Terod Taylor even more because Terod Taylor apparently got that team to a playoffs. I don't to the playoffs. I don't know how he did that. I don't know how he pulled that off. But the Bills' offense is awful. They're not good. Again, if you have a guy coming at you and the minute you snap the ball because one of your offensive linemen completely misses a block, there's nothing you can do. You can't game plan for that. You can't scheme for that. You can't prepare for that. You're just screwed. It's over. I don't want Josh Allen to develop bad habits, to start throwing the ball up in the air to avoid taking sacks. So I would sit Josh Allen. A, he's not ready, right? He's still trying to run to the right. He's not quite where we want him to be. But B, the Bills' offense is just terrible. Don't throw Josh Allen to the wolves. And finally, you don't want Josh Allen developing bad habits. I would not play Josh Allen week one. I wouldn't do it for a long time. I would keep this guy on the bench until you have something better to put around him because you are going to ruin Josh Allen if you play him too early. He's too raw. He's too unrefined. He needs help. He needs good coaching, which he has. I I think Josh Allen could work out. I love what he's shown at times. But you're going to ruin him if you put him out there to the wolves. Please, if you're the Bills... Do not ruin Josh Allen by throwing him to the wolves. All right, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, um, an NFL team hired a private investigator to look into Odell Beckham Jr. I think it's an interesting story. It'll be fun to talk about that. Uh, Blake Bortles is still not improving. He still looks awful. Um, I don't know. We'll talk about that. I'm going to give you analysis from the 49ers and Indianapolis Colts preseason game. And at the very end of the show, I'm going to rank every NFL starting quarterback um, from... I have four tiers. It'll be fun. It's really fun. I'm really excited to share with you guys. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best, most interesting clips. If you like Strong Opinion Sports as much as I do, I, I love it. It's my baby, favorite thing in the world. Help me out by telling your friends about the show. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is. Help me grow Strong Opinion Sports by telling your friends about this show. Dang, I hit a roll, man. I uh, I remember the first day I recorded in this room. I was so uncomfortable. I was like, ah, I'm back, and there's people listening to the walls. It's weird. Nah, man, we're good. We are rolling. Uh, my name is Alex Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Um, <laughs> the first thing I want to start with is kind of a uh, funny story. Uh, interesting to me. I just, I read a lot about it. It was really... Uh, the problem with this next story is there's only one source, like really. I mean, there's a bunch of people reporting it, but that, there's only really one source for the story. So it may be true, may not be true. I don't know. Um, but it's been reported that a uh, it, it's been reported that an, an unnamed NFL team hired a private investigator to look into Odell Beckham Jr. This was during the offseason. If you remember, there was a bunch of trade rumors. The Giants were considering trading Odell Beckham Jr., and uh, remember there was that video that surfaced of Odell Beckham Jr. 
He's in a bed with pizza and an Instagram model and some white substance that we all assume, we kind of all know, that, that's drugs. Like, eh, come on. Um, and, and first off, that's this whole premise is why Odell Beckham Jr. makes me slightly uncomfortable. You don't have to hire a private investigator to look into Julio Jones. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna trade for Julio Jones, you know he's doing the right stuff in the offseason. There's no question. There's no concerns. And uh, the fact that you have to even go there with Odell Beckham Jr. The fact that we would even entertain the idea is kind of a red flag to me. He's now the highest paid wide receiver in the entire NFL. But at the same time, I actually don't. I don't know that it makes Odell Beckham Jr. look bad. In fact, I would say it's a testament to NFL teams doing their due diligence. Now, again, it appears that there's only one source for this story. So I, I don't really know if it's true. It, if it is, it is. I don't know. But if it is true, I have no problem with it. If an NFL team did hire a private investigator to look into Odell Beckham Jr., I, I got no problem with that. I, I don't fault them at all. It's a team doing their due diligence. Anytime I make any investment, buy anything, even tape. I, I bought tape the other day. I looked at like five different kinds online to figure out which one I wanted. I'm weird. You know, when I bought a camera, the thing I'm talking to, but like 1500 bucks on that thing. I did all my research. I looked at like eight different cameras. I looked at a bunch of user reviews. I asked a bunch of people around in LA and San Francisco everywhere. When I bought a camera, I considered everything. If I'm going to pay a wide receiver, if I'm going to make Odell Beckham Jr. the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL, if he's even in that conversation, yeah, I'm going to do my research. And I have no problem with any team that wanted to do their research. Uh, there were a bunch of teams, like people out there on Instagram were like, that's weird. Why would they do that? Blah, 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 talk and talk. I'm like, yeah, no, I, when I buy anything, I, when I pay for anything, I make any investment, I do my research. So I, I have no problem uh, with an NFL team supposedly hiring a private investigator to look into Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, that's what I would do if I was going to pay for something. So yeah, interesting story. I thought it was funny. It's sad there's only one real source. I, I wish I find, I wish I knew whether it was true or not, and I wish there was a name on that NFL team, but we'll probably never get any of that. But fun story for now. Okay, um, <clears throat> I'm going to shift gears to Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles is still not improving. I, I've been harping on this for a long time now. Blake Bortles must improve if the Jaguars are going to have another great season. Remember, in their division alone, Deshaun Watson's back. Andrew Luck is back. The Tennessee Titans got a new coach. They got better in the offseason. That's six tough games in just their division. Let alone, again, they, had, they won their division last year, so they have a tougher schedule. And uh, three games into the NFL preseason, Blake Bortles is not improving. He's not. He looked bad against the Vikings. And Saturday against the Falcons, Blake Bortles looked bad again. Now, he was 17 for 23, a misleading stat at 204 yards. That Cool, that's fine, I guess. But he had two interceptions and no, zero touchdowns. The two interceptions were bad, ugly. The first ugly interception, it was just like the one he had against the Vikings. Apparently, Blake Bortles has no, he has like a hole in his vision. He can't see anybody in the middle of the field. A guy's sitting right there, throws right at him, tips it up, pick. It's horrible. You can't do that. You can't. How do you not see a guy in the middle of the field? Blake Bortles has done that multiple times this preseason alone. Then he made another horrible mistake. He's getting sacked and he just flails the ball in the air, like kind of throws it up to the corner. You can't do that. You, you can't panic and fling the ball in the air to avoid a sack. He was lucky. It almost got intercepted. He was very lucky it didn't. But you can't panic and do that. And then later in the, the, the game, Blake Bortles threw another interception 
towards the, the goal line, towards the red zone, because he just completely lacked the accuracy he needed for the pass. Mm, man, I don't, I don't know why. Like, why are Jaguars fans defending their quarterback? Is it an emotional thing? Is it you don't like, you just, you just hope so much he's going to be good and you don't like hearing that he's going to be bad? I don't know. But reality is Blake Bortles is not very good. It's scary. Blake Bortles' mechanics are all over the place. It's like he's thinking, you ever shot free throws? If you think about it too much, you miss because you suck. It makes you overthink it. That's what it looks like when Blake Bortles throws a football. It looks like he's thinking about it too much. And it's really a shame because the Jags roster is so good. The Jags roster is so good and they're getting completely wasted. This great roster the Jaguars have is completely being wasted because their quarterback isn't good enough. Oh, it's heartbreaking. It's sad to me. I really wonder if Cody Kessler, the backup quarterback, wouldn't be a better solution. Like, probably not, right? That sounds like crazy talk. But maybe, is there a possibility Cody Kessler at least wouldn't turn the ball over? He'll be really safe with the football, won't throw interceptions. I don't know. But the way it is now, the Jaguars should be drafting a quarterback every single year in the first three rounds. They should move up in the draft and get another quarterback next year. I, I, Because I, here's the thing. I like Blake Bortles. He's not awful. I mean, I don't like his body language. I don't like his interceptions. But Blake Bortles isn't the worst, most miserable quarterback in the NFL. He can win some games in the NFL. But he can't win you a Super Bowl. He's, he's maxed out. That's what's sad is you're wasting years with this great roster and you don't have a quarterback good enough to take advantage of their roster. That's why I feel sad for Jaguars fans. Blake Bortles isn't quite enough. He's not god-awful. But now they're number one wide receiver. Marquise Lee is injured. He needs knee surgeries out for the year. Oh, uh, there you go. Blake Bortles is going to struggle even more now. The Blake Bortles situation, it's so ugly in Jacksonville. And I don't hate the guy. I don't root against anybody ever. And I, 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 I just, what I see is not good enough. He's not improving. I sound really critical. I should probably change my tone of voice, but it just makes me sad because I know the potential the Jaguars have. And they're, they're totally wasting years with a great roster because their quarterback simply isn't good enough. It's sad to me. It's really sad. <clears throat> All right, I want to shift gears now. Um, so the week three of the NFL preseason is traditionally when we see a bunch of starters play for the most amount of minutes. And in the Colts 49ers preseason game, we saw Andrew Luck a lot. We saw a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo. He played, played quite a bit. And so I want to share my thoughts. I want to share all the notes I took. I'm going to do this regularly during the NFL season. And this is kind of a preview of what it's going to look like when the regular season starts. So I want to, I want to start with the Colts. These are the things I wrote down about the Colts. First off, I love, I love, I love, I applaud. I love the things the Colts are doing with Andrew Luck. It's fantastic. They have great play calling. They're getting the ball out quick. They're, they're faking the run, using play action really well. Um, and man, Frank Reich was a great hire for the Indianapolis Colts. Remember Frank Reich? He's a, a former Eagles offensive coordinator from last year, won the Super Bowl. And uh, he's a former NFL quarterback. I mean, he clearly is in Andrew Luck's head. He knows what's best for Andrew Luck. And I, I just, I love it. And my one concern watching Andrew Luck yesterday was, um, well, first off is this. Early in the game on third and eleven. Andrew Luck ran for four yards and then slid got down to avoid contact. And I liked that. He didn't fight for more yards. And I watched that and I thought, yeah, that's great. Clearly he's learned from the past. Andrew Luck needs to take less hits. Shouldn't be getting nailed all the time. And I was pumped. I was like, yes, Andrew Luck learned from the past. But then on third and 13, 
He ran all the way for the first down. Now, he got the first down. I'll give him credit there. But he took a nasty shot in the preseason on third and 13. I don't want that happening. I don't want Andrew Luck running at all, really. And I don't really want Andrew Luck taking big hits. He's going to get sacked enough as it is. So it's just weirdness there. Like, is Andrew Luck, how is he getting coached up when he runs the football? I hope in the meetings they said, Andrew Luck, don't run for the first down on third and 13. Like, I, I just, I love you, but you, you had a ruptured spleen and your shoulder's destroyed. Please don't take off running. We don't need you taking unnecessary hits. I want to now shift gears to the 49ers. My first thought for the 49ers was this. Akilo Witherspoon, the second-year corner, is money. He's fantastic. He's great. Uh, Alfred Morris ran the football really, really well. And, and some of that was the Colts are just bad at tackling. Um, but, man, I, I'm excited to watch the 49ers running game this year. I think their running game is somewhat underrated. Now, we're going to talk a lot about Jimmy Garoppolo next. <clears throat> I, uh, I read that Jimmy Garoppolo had a bad game. I read that against the Colts, Jimmy Garoppolo's game just really struggled. And that's not at all. I watched the game. That's not what I saw. That, I'm like, uh, I, don't, I don't see the same thing this writer apparently saw. Uh, first of all, Andrew Luck, or <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo throws the ball great. Fantastic. He's got great pocket movement. His, he's supremely accurate throwing over the middle. His deep middle accuracy is fantastic. I love what I see from Jimmy Garoppolo. My only question with Jimmy Garoppolo is he's a little bit... Um, his arm strength isn't, he's not the top end of the NFL with arm strength. He's not Josh Allen. He's not Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. Um, and, and I just wonder, because he doesn't have a lot of zip on the ball, what's it going to look like when Jimmy Garoppolo plays in the rain or in the snow, like in Lambeau late in the year? I don't know. Now, he's got middle of the road arm strength. I'm not really concerned because, again, uh, he's accurate and he's always on time. So arm strength is not a concern for Jimmy Garoppolo. And, again, he did play in college in cold weather. But he didn't really drive the ball in cold weather. You watch, watch his highlights. Watch all his plays in college. He's throwing the ball deep a lot. A lot of air under the ball. Um, and we never saw Jimmy Garoppolo play in New England in the rain or in the cold. And so I, I just wonder. I'm, I'm not even, I'm not saying, I don't think concern is the right word here. I'm curious to see what happens when Jimmy Garoppolo plays in the snow or in the rain. That's all I'm, all I'm really saying here is, I'm, I'm just, we haven't seen that yet. And I want to see that. Because I don't know what it's going to look like. I hope it's good. I think it'll be good. I mean, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. He looks fantastic. Um, but all in all, Jimmy Garoppolo is just... It was another encouraging game. Now, he missed a uh, he missed a fourth and two throw high. I can forgive that. I don't really know if that's the play they're going to call in the regular season. I think they were trying some stuff out. Um, but man, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is encouraging. He looks great. I read that it was a bad game. I didn't perceive that as a bad game at all. And uh, clearly, Jimmy Garoppolo knows the offense well. He's throwing the ball all over the place. And, um, I mean, I guess the Colts won 23 to 17, but nobody cares. It's the preseason. I, we got to say Andrew Luck in depth. I love what he's doing. And we got to see Jimmy Garoppolo. I love what he's doing. I really am encouraged. And I, I like the schemes that they're doing running the ball. I, I really am encouraged watching the 49ers. I think that they're going to do some good stuff this year. Last topic of the day. <clears throat> the guys next door are so excited because I'm probably louder than all hell. I apologize. <laughs> it's what I do. It's sorry. Um, I'm going to rank every quarterback, every starting quarterback in the NFL. So this is where I rank every starting quarterback in the NFL. I take this very seriously. Uh, there, are, there are four tiers. I don't rank them one through 32, anything like that. There are four tiers. So the, number, the top tier in the NFL is this. No matter what, these quarterbacks in the top tier 
have a shot at the Super Bowl. No matter what roster you put around them, if you have one of these quarterbacks in the top tier, you have a shot at the Super Bowl. The second tier below that is you can these quarterbacks can win a Super Bowl, but they need help. The third tier under that are quarterbacks that can win games, but they can't win a Super Bowl. And the fourth tier are quarterbacks that I'm not convinced they can win games. So I want to first start with the first tier. This is, uh, honestly, I don't think that controversial. The first tier is this. Every quarterback, and I'm going to name right here, every quarterback in the first tier is a guy that no matter what roster you put around them, you have a shot at a Super Bowl. It's Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, and Drew Brees. That's it. I have Drew Brees in there because I remember how successful he was with horrendous, terrible defenses. So that, that's that for tier one. It's pretty uncomplicated. Again, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger. That's it. And the second tier and third tier are more interesting. The second tier is this. These are quarterbacks who can win a Super Bowl, but they need help. Now, I recently moved Russell Wilson down from tier one down to tier two. Russell Wilson is the top end of tier two, right? He He's probably a Hall of Famer. He's a really great quarterback, uh, and he's very close to tier one. But what we saw last year was a team that went nine and seven. And when you didn't give Russell Wilson as much help as I wanted, he missed the playoffs. He couldn't quite carry the Seahawks last year. And this year is going to be even worse. So I thought Russell Wilson might be up there with Aaron Rodgers. He's not. He's just frankly not. And I think he's going to struggle even more. So I love Russell Wilson. But regardless, you need to give him some defense, a little bit of help. And then you will have a shot at a Super Bowl. Next, we have Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson. Uh, They're both quarterbacks that could win a Super Bowl, but they need help. Phillip Rivers. This is the year for Phillip Rivers. If Philip Rivers doesn't make it happen this year, he's, he's moving down and his legacy is honestly hurt because this team, this is the best Chargers team we've ever seen. We probably, the best Chargers team we've seen since they went 14 and 2 with a Danian Tomlinson. Next, we have Derek Carr with enough help. He can win a Super Bowl. We have Kirk Cousins with enough help. He can win a Super Bowl. And man, the Vikings sure have it. I remember, I, I expect Kirk Cousins to compete for a Super Bowl next year. I think year one, new offensive coordinator, new team. It's a little too high to predict that, to expect that. But Kirk Cousins could win you a Super Bowl, no, I, I think no doubt. We'll see if he ever does with the Vikings. Matt Ryan should have won a Super Bowl, so he, he could. Jared Goff, we're going to find out this year. I think he can. I think the, the Rams very much could win a Super Bowl. And so if I'm going to say that, I have to put Jared Goff in the second tier. Uh, Joe Flacco is also in the second tier. Look, he did win a Super Bowl. And I think, frankly, somewhat Joe Flacco is under the radar this year. Uh, and if you, like, if you put Joe Flacco on the Jaguars... That's a Super Bowl team like that. Matthew Stafford and Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor is going to surprise people. He's higher than maybe people expect. Let's be honest about Tyrod Taylor. Excuse me. If you put Tyrod Taylor or Matthew Stafford, either of them with the Lions or the Vikings, or sorry, excuse me, with the Jaguars or the Vikings, if you put Matthew Stafford on the Jaguars, if you put Tyrod Taylor on the Jaguars, that team wins a Super Bowl. So both of these guys are very capable of winning a Super Bowl. They've just had really bad organizations their entire career. Uh, Terod Taylor is absolutely good enough. And Jimmy Garoppolo is another guy I think he could win a Super Bowl. You need to give him help. He's still probably two, three years away from that. Um, But he's up there with Derek Carley. Jimmy Garoppolo is fantastic. And finally, the last guy in Tier 2 is Andrew Luck. Now I'm putting Andrew Luck where he will be eventually. He's still recovering from an injury. Frankly, right now, I don't think Andrew Luck could win a Super Bowl the way he's playing. His shoulder is still recovering. But give him till November. He'll be back in Tier 2. He's a guy that could win a Super Bowl. Um, I just don't think he's there quite yet. But I, I placed him where he will be rather than where he is right now. Now, Tier 3 is going to be the most controversial tier. This is probably going to anger people. <clears throat> these next guys, these are guys who can win games but cannot win a Super Bowl. 
They, they can't win a Super Bowl, but the next guys I'm going to list can all win a lot of games. So the top of the list is Eli Manning. Eli Manning has fallen from grace. I know he's won two Super Bowls, but that's the past. Where is he at right now? I don't think he's a guy that could win a Super Bowl, even on the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't think he has it anymore. I'm not an Eli Manning believer. Although I put him at the top because he's the most, the one I'm most nervous about. Another guy I'm nervous about is Cam Newton. I'm not trying to hate on Cam Newton. But can we be honest? Cam Newton's gotten worse since 2015. I don't trust Cam Newton's decision-making. I don't like his mental, he's all over the place emotionally. I don't like that. And look, Cam Newton's been to a Super Bowl. Everyone's going to say, Zach, Cam Newton's been to a Super Bowl. The, the keyboard warriors are going to come out. Um, but I'm going to argue, so has Rex Grossman. Rex Grossman went to a Super Bowl. Going to a Super Bowl is not the same as having the ability to win a Super Bowl. And I no longer put Cam Newton in that category. I don't think he can. Dak Prescott is a guy who can win a lot of games. He's a Cowboys quarterback. He can win a lot of games. I still think he's a year away from the ability to win a Super Bowl. He's just not there yet. Andy Dalton, Ryan Tannehill, Marcus Mariota, Sam Bradford, they're all guys that can win games but not a Super Bowl. Um, Teddy Bridgewater is interesting. He's a, he might be in the wrong tier. He's a weird one. I think if you put Teddy Bridgewater on the Jacksonville Jaguars, that team could win a Super Bowl. I don't know that he could win a Super Bowl anywhere else, though. So uh, Teddy Bridgewater is a third-tier quarterback. <clears throat> Unless he's on the Jaguars. <laughs> Blake Bortles and Case Keenum. <clears throat> Both are guys that cannot win games. And we saw last year. We saw enough. We have enough of a sample size. We saw that Blake Bortles and Case Keenum are not good enough for deep, long playoff runs to the Super Bowl. They can win games, but they're not enough to win a Super Bowl. Blake Bortles and Case Keenum are third-tier quarterbacks. Can win games. Can't win a Super Bowl. <clears throat> Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes will win games. Um, but I, I'm going to give him one more year until I think he can win a Super Bowl. I just think he's a year away. I love Patrick Mahomes. I think his roster is fantastic. He's just one more year away from being a guy that I believe can win a Super Bowl. He's just, he's only started one game. So I don't, uh, too early. Now, AJ McCarron is on the bubble. So remember, the fourth tier are guys that I'm not convinced can win games. AJ McCarron, I don't think, is going to win games in Buffalo. He's going to do really bad. Their offensive line is terrible. Their defensive personnel is awful. I like Brian Dable, but that's not enough. But I will say this. If AJ McCarron was on the Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> he could probably do as well as Blake Bortles. So that's why AJ McCarron is on the bubble between the third tier of guys that can only win games but can't win a Super Bowl and guys that I'm not convinced can win because AJ McCarron could win games with the Jaguars, probably not anywhere else. And probably not a lot of games with the Jaguars. Probably about as much as Blake Bortles. Now, this is Tier 4. The next three guys I'm going to name are fourth-tier quarterbacks. These are guys that I'm not convinced yet can win games in the NFL. First one is Mitch Trubisky. I'm not hating on the guy. I love his situation. I love his head coach. I love Matt Nagy. I love Mark Helfritz, his offensive coordinator. I just don't know how high Mitch Trubisky's ceiling is, and I haven't seen enough to believe, yeah, this guy can win a lot of games in the NFL. We're not there yet. And frankly, I think they're going to go 5-11. and 11. That's, that's not a guy I'm convinced can win a lot of games. And if I'm not a guy I'm convinced could make the playoffs. I don't think Mitch Trubisky's there yet. Next, my, my next fourth-tier quarterback, guys, that I'm not convinced can win games. The next guy is Jameis Winston. And this will rile people up. People will be mad at me. I'm, I apologize to Buccaneers fans. I know you're emotionally invested in Jameis Winston. Uh, my question is, where's the evidence? Show, show, me, show it to me. I, I haven't seen... Where is 
the memorable moments with Jameis Winston. Where are the games he's won? Where are where's the playoff berth? Where is the success? Because I haven't seen it. I all I remember from Jameis Winston are bad bonehead moments on and off the field. And so, yeah, Jameis Winston. I'm not convinced he's a guy that can win games this year in the NFL. Now the last one is just for fun. Uh, Nick Foles is a fourth tier quarterback. He's a guy that I'm not convinced can win games consistently in the NFL. <laughs> That's gonna make people mad because he just won the Super Bowl. Like, That's ridiculous. Um, yeah, well, I'm convinced if Nick Foles played all 16 games last year for the Philadelphia Eagles, they would not have even made the playoffs. And I don't think he would have been the starting quarterback for all 16 games because I think the Eagles would have got tired and replaced him with somebody, Nate Sudfeld, literally anybody else. So Nick Foles is a fourth tier quarterback. He's a backup. He's not a guy that can consistently win games. He can come off the bench, apparently win Super Bowls, apparently, but he's not a guy that can consistently win games in the NFL. That is my list. That is where I rank all of the quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, most controversial. Oh, Alex Smith was another guy I missed. I didn't say Alex Smith, did I? Alex Smith is a third tier quarterback. I apologize. I missed him. You, if you're mad at me, I, I got to it before I, before I ended the topic. Before I ended the topic, I remembered Alex Smith. Alex Smith is a third-tier quarterback. He can win a lot of games, can't win a Super Bowl. You know how I know that? Because I watched it for years. He played on one of the best rosters in the NFL in Kansas City for the last couple years. Nothing. Diddly squat. Won a lot of games. Never got to a Super Bowl. Never had a lot of playoff success. Alex Smith is a third-tier quarterback that can win a lot of games, cannot win a Super Bowl. And that, again, is where I rank every starting quarterback in the NFL. All right, guys, that's been my show. Thank you so much for watching. I really appreciate watching, listening, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you are. I just appreciate you guys. Um, this is my favorite thing in the world, and I'm far too loud. I feel bad for everybody around me. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Uh, I'll talk to you Wednesday. That's when the show is airing next. Um, I, uh, I'm going to do some college football predictions on Wednesday, and I, I've been working very carefully. Very, it's coming very slowly, but I'm working on some revisions to my NFL predictions. Some, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise some teams' records. I'm going to lower some team records. That's what's going to happen later this week before the NFL season officially starts. And as always, remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, SoundCloud, on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips. If you like Strong Opinion Sports as much as I do, it's my passion, favorite thing in the world. I love it. Help me grow Strong Opinion Sports by telling your friends about this show. That is, that's been my show. My name is Zach Schallner. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you guys again on Wednesday. But um bum bam we are done. Bye.